Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. 12 months on from Pierre Gasly's shot victory at Monza, the Italian Grand Prix has thrown the phone book out of the window for the second year in a row. Welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast, everybody. This is episode number 135, where I'll be reviewing the 2021 Italian Grand Prix. I'm your host, George Housen, and joining me today, we have Tom Downey from the EF1 podcast. Hello. Aaron Harper from the Five Red Lights podcast. Hello. And Jared from the Hit the Apex podcast. Howdy. So, lads, let's start with the uh, the winner of this race. And as you can maybe tell by mine and Aaron's shirts, if you're watching on the video on our YouTube, it was unbelievably a McLaren. And a McLaren 1-2 at that, Aaron. Daniel Ricciardo finally getting a result of deserving of a driver of his quality at McLaren. Lando Norris as well, coming home in second. No, this is not Groundhog Day. This is not April Fool's Day. We're being deadly serious. This actually happened. And you know what? It was deserved. Oh, it was. And I mean, there's a slightly cruel twist of fate in the fact that Lando has been so stunning all year. And then when the cards fall the right way, he ends up in second place behind his teammate. But credit where credit's due, Daniel drove brilliantly. And yesterday I kind of, I I made him driver of the day for for the qualifying sprint and uh, kind of hoped that I didn't put the jinx on him for today. And boy, he cashed in when he made a great start and that, that was it. That was the crux of it. He made the start, won the start, took the first corner and that was it. He held Verstappen at pretty much arm's length. He went as fast as he needed to go. And let's not forget, he's won, was it eight races or seven before today? Seven before today. Seven yeah. before today. So this is his eighth, eighth win. He's an accomplished race winner. He's been in the sport for a decade. So he knows what he's doing. Uh, to coin a phrase, um, you can't ask for much more. And this is the sort of thing that McLaren signed him for. This is why they're paying him however many millions of pounds to race for them. And alongside Lando, if they can deliver a car that is the equal of a Red Bull or a Mercedes, they are in with a massive chance of scooping one or potentially both championships. And if you, if if Daniel can take this sort of confidence into the next few races and close out the season really strongly. He's looking really well set for next year. And he even mentioned it himself that the the August break came at a good time for him. He just sort of processed everything that he'd been through in the first sort of six months with McLaren. And he's come out the other side and he's looking really, really strong. He drove well to qualify fourth in Spa. The McLaren didn't really handle so well around Zandvoort, but they've they've cashed in uh, big time. Uh, today with a one-two, so for Daniel to do that is just—I'd say surprising, but it's the sort of thing we expect from him. It is the sort of thing we expected him from him uh, for the start of this season. But he, he took his time getting used to the car. I think it's fair to say now he is used to the car. He, he did very well in qualifying for Spa, got a fourth place there. He was close to Lando Norris at, at Zandvoort. 
the car just didn't suit the track for whatever reason. Uh, but it absolutely suited Monza. Um, and like you said, Daniel Ricciardo, he had a hell of a lot of pace in his car, he even set fastest lap of the race on the last lap. That tells you that, in truth, he was probably holding back a little bit, if anything. And and to get this, it's just unbelievable. I mean, it's not this. This is the first win for McLaren for nine years. It's the first one-two for them since 2010. It's been 11 years since they had last had a one-two. I mean, and of course, Jared, we have to say that, you know, it's deserved for a driver of the quality of uh, Danny Ricciardo, but this is going to be an incredibly popular victory in Australia. Yeah, it is going to be. And I loved um, his comments after the race where he said, I just kind of stepped aside, you know, a message to the people who might have doubted him in the last couple of years, obviously leaving Red Bull where he had a car where he could win races. He was at Renault for a couple of years where I only got a couple of podiums last year. And, you know, McLaren was kind of a um, a make it or break it kind of move in his career. And, you know, this win not only, like, tells all of us that, yeah, he's still got it, but also might remind him as well, you know, he's got the capability of winning races like we've seen him in the past and yeah (laughs) just kind of speechless especially you know it's McLaren you know everyone's second favorite team probably or favorite team and then Ricardo who you know such a likable character on the grid got to see the shoey on the podium as well for a win um and Monza's just one of those special podiums too so you know great place for him to win that's for sure Absolutely, yeah. Fantastic to see the Shui back. And, and great as well for Ricardo. obviously. He does have his Italian heritage. He spoke a bit of Italian as well after the race. That riled the crowd up no end. I'm sure he said some very nice things about them. Um, yeah, it, it's, ju- it's just a real feel-good win. It's a win that a driver like Ricardo really needed because, you know, he'd been doing better, but he, need- he needed a podium. He needed a good result. But to get a win, to get McLaren's first win of this new McLaren Mercedes era is, uh, is, is massive for them. It's going to provide huge momentum for them going into 2022. But the thing is, is as well, I mean, obviously the elephant in the room is that Hamilton and Verstappen, did they did crash out of the race, but Tom, they were genuinely holding both of them up. Ricardo was ahead of Verstappen. Uh, Lando was ahead of uh, Lewis Hamilton, but both were holding them up and doing so successfully. They never, they never really had to get the elbows out properly, apart from maybe a few times. So they had legitimately had incredible pace this race. Uh, yeah. Um, do you want me to talk about the crash or should we get on start? We'll, we'll, we'll do that after we've asked sure Lyrical about McLaren. McLaren a yeah, longer. absolutely. I'm more than happy to ask <laughs> Lyrical about McLaren for another few minutes. Yeah, um, what a race. You know, Like we said, first one, two since Canada 2010. Danny Rick just did, did, um, you know, did Danny Rick things. You know, we should call it a hashtag just Danny Rick things as, as he went late onto the breaks in, in turn one, passes on teammate, and off he went into the distance. Never really under threat, especially with the incident, which we'll get onto in a moment. Um, and his teammate was super as well. Lando was really mature. You know, we heard him over the radio say, um, you, you know, if, if you want us to hold position, all the rest of it. It reminded me a lot of, was it Eddie Jordan in possibly 98 in Spa with, um, I want to say Damon Hill and I can't remember who Hill's teammate was. Ralph Schumacher. Ralph Schumacher. Of course yeah. it was. You know, I, knew, I knew it was a brother. Um, but and obviously it wasn't Michael but it, it reminded me a lot of that where I was like we got an opportunity here for some really good points and they held position they held off enough from Bottas and Perez who were circling behind um, 
And then obviously without Hamilton and Verstappen in the picture after about lap 26, yeah, brilliant result. Danny Rick said he felt this is his best win out of the eight he's had. And I can kind of see where he's coming from. I think Monaco 2018 would probably be up there for him, obviously after the pit stop errors of 2016. But this race, you know, he's proved that he can win a race outside of Red Bull. And he's not had the easiest of years, but he's really sort of, after the summer break, it feels like he's kicked on a bit. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm just really pleased for McLaren, for Danny Rick and for Lando. Really pleased. Yeah, I'm so happy for them as well. It, 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 it's just it's just a real feel-good win. Like I said before, it's um, something that, apart from me, probably Ferrari fans would, would love to see. I think most fans will just look at that and think, yeah, McLaren getting a win after all this time. It's, you know, it's well-deserved. They've been on an upward trajectory ever since Zach Brown came into the team in 2018, I think he came in. You know, they've improved year on year since that horrible year. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just fantastic. It's great to see. It really is great to see. Um, something that provided a lot of drama and something that perhaps we don't like to see in a way was obviously, we just gave it a quick mention there, the crash. Now, basically, Hamilton and Verstappen had another on-track crash. Um, Verstappen was in second behind Ricardo. Hamilton was in fourth behind Norris. Uh, Verstappen stopped, did his one stop, had a horrible pit stop, 11 seconds, I think it was, dropped in behind a bunch of cars, so Mercedes said, right, let's pit Hamilton. Let's get him out there. But they too had a slow stop, not as slow as Verstappen, but a slow stop. And unbelievably, they ca- Hamilton came out onto the same piece of track almost as Verstappen. They go into the first chicane. They collide, both out of the race, in the gravel. Safety car comes out. It changes the race. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot a bit here, Aaron. Who's to blame here, if anybody? Inherently, it's, it is a racing incident, but personally, I think a little bit of more of the blame lies with Max. And I always feel that the responsibility for not having a crash in most cases of an overtake uh, lies with the car trying to make the overtake. Um, there are some exceptions, you know, if you're trying to overtake Mazepin, I'd, I'd watch out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they came out side by side. Well, when Hamilton came onto the racing line and Lewis left him space and Max was well within his rights to go for the move around the outside of the uh, the first corner. But he was always going to be driving into a disappearing wedge. Mm. For me, I think he's, the red mist had come down because of his slow stop. And I think just for that split second, he was so almost hell-bent on making up for that error in the pit stop whether the team didn't have the nut tight enough on the right front or there was just a, a, a g- generic error. He was so sort of determined to, to make it right that he forgot to think big picture. And I spoke about this yesterday on the uh, qualifying analysis. He was, he was thinking big picture. He didn't go and attack Bottas when he didn't need to. Today, he attacked Hamilton when he didn't need to. If he'd squared up the car, because Hamilton was tucked up behind Norris, he could have got a really good run down to the De La Roja chicane and made a very clean pass. And then that would have put Hamilton in a, in a tough position. Ultimately, I think the stewards will deem it a racing incident. But I think Max has to 
go and reassess how he's going to go into combat a little bit because that that could have been a lot worse than it was. Mm. Yeah, it could have been. And pre-Halo, it definitely would have been a lot worse. I think uh, Hamilton would have been in a very bad way with that, with the way that Stappen's car just sort of rode on top of his at the end of it. Um, it's a tough one. It, it's a really tough one, this, because to be honest with you, when I first saw it, I did genuinely think that if I had to blame somebody for this, I, I might blame Hamilton more because he's got cold tyres. He's just come out of the pits. And a bit like his move on the first lap, you think probably should play the long game here a bit. But then you can also argue the same for Verstappen, like you said, Aaron. Um, and I think what probably caused the crash was uh, Verstappen going onto the going to the sausage curb. And I think he was, you could argue maybe he should have backed out of it, but you could also argue that Hamilton should have maybe left him a bit more space. It's overall, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a racing incident. Um, what, what do you think, though, Jared? Do you uh, do you agree with that? Do you think it's a racing incident? Do you think the stewards will punish anybody for this one? Yeah, I think it's probably going to go down as a racing incident, though I do feel inclined to agree with Aaron on this one that, you know, Max is probably a bit more to blame proportionally. I got the impression when he came out of the pits and had his little moment on the team radio that, yeah, he had the red mist. And you know what? If it was me, I would have felt the same as well. Like going into that corner, he would have wanted that corner just to try and make up for the frustration of the pit stop. But sadly, that sort of thing doesn't work. And, you know, we're thankful that both drivers walked away from this incident as well. You know, Hamilton did say, I think, after the race in the pen that his neck was a bit sore, you know, because he had a bit of an impact um, up above. But, yeah, like, looking back on it now, Max could have easily just just not tried to make the corner, you know, and, you know, he had the warmer tyres. He would have probably got a better run into the Delarogia Sucane as well. So, you know, it's that long-term, you know, bigger picture kind of thing that, you know, just for that split second, he didn't he didn't think about it. But at the end of the day, both the drivers are fine. Um, from a stewarding perspective, they'll just say it was a racing incident. But, hey, it's given everyone a lot to talk about. You know, it's drawn a battle line between the fan bases and all that. So we're going to see um, arguments to come, I think, until we get to Russia. Yeah, I totally agree. There's going to be a lot of uh, very opinionated people about this. And uh, to be honest with you, when I saw Verstappen getting out of his car, I thought, oh my God, is he going to go for Hamilton? Is he going to take a swing at him here? Or something? Thankfully, he just kept walking away. Um, something else. This, uh, so it, it's, it's not clear cut either way. And I think in that, in that sense of it, they're not going to give anybody any punishment for it, especially since it's post-race and they're both out of the race anyway. Um, I don't see I don't see them handing out any kind of penalty for it, but I could be wrong. We could see something happen with that. Um, so we've got two people blaming Verstappen more for it. We've got me kind of probably blaming Hamilton a little bit more for it. Tom, what do you think? Are you talking about opinionated people? So here we go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is what we want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can really see, bear in mind I'm a Max fan, I can really see the argument from both sides. Um, I think it will ultimately go down as a racing incident. And I think I, th- I think the biggest issue in this collision was the sausage curb. Because if that yeah. sausage curb wouldn't have been there, Verstappen's car wouldn't have bounced in the terrifying way that it did. 
because seeing the way that he literally just like sort of darted sideways and just nestled itself into Hamilton's Mercedes was pretty. I watched it and I was just like, oh my God. Um, and then see, seeing seeing how close that rear wheel was to Hamilton's head and seeing the mm. seeing the scuff marks on the halo afterwards is testament to the safety of these cars. And we should say, well, I'm certainly going to say that, first of all, I'm glad to hear that both drivers are by and large okay, if not perhaps slightly sore and very, very irritated, which I really understand. But going back to the incident, my... My feeling of it is Hamilton was coming out of the pits on, yes, fresh tyres, but cold tyres. And yes, they were new, but they were still cold. And Hamilton is coming down the main straight. I think he had DRS and RS. He might not have had DRS, but he certainly had a slipstream because he was pretty close. Um, and the speed differential was huge. So, and Max is on the racing line. So, so you know that Max is going to certainly look to go into that corner ahead. And when when he when he and Hamilton were sort of more or less alongside, approaching turn one, there was room there. And then and then as Hamilton moved moved over, that room disappeared. I think Aaron, you described it as a wedge, which is a pretty good way of doing it. So as Max is going into that corner, he sees a gap, and they're fighting for the championship. And both drivers know that neither of them, and when I say them, I mean Hamilton and Verstappen, neither neither of them really want to back out. And they know what's on the line here. And they know how tight this championship is. Verstappen could have realised that, or perhaps, you know, the room's going to disappear and he could have bounced across those curves. But he knows that that's going to cost him time. It could damage his car when the space was originally there. And he had also committed to the corner. So I think it's, I do think it's going to go down as a racing incident. It was a pretty sort of sickening crash. Initially, you know, because it's rare that we see cars sort of pirouette like that. The last time we saw something like that was 2018 in Spa when um, there was that horrible crash at the start where I think Leclerc Sauber went across the top of Fernando Alonso's then McLaren. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's, this is, this is going to be one of those things. Like Silverstone, I'm not saying it's the same as Silverstone because it's a different different set of circumstances, it's a different corner, it's a different track, the track's, the corner's got a different profile to it, all the rest of it. But especially as we've now got a week off, it's going to be a talking point for quite a while. That it is. It is going to, the discussion's not going to end. And if you guys want to get your opinion out there, if you want to let us know what you think about it, we, we do go out live on YouTube, join the live chat, uh, F1, F1 Grid Talk on YouTube, and also tweet us at F1 Chronicle. If you, uh, if you want to get your opinion across, if you disagree with us, if you agree with us, um, yeah, we all agree that it'll probably be a racing incident, but we disagree on who is at fault, if anybody. Um, but the fact remains that the championship is still incredibly tight. I think it's just five points between Hamilton and Verstappen. Those two are still the only two re- realistically in it, despite their DNFs. Incredibly, Hamilton's first DNF since Austria 2018. Like someone was, the commentators were pointing out, it's such a long, long time. Unbelievable consistency from him generally. But this year, it, there's been some incidents, and he and he's not scored as well in, in Baku. It was as well. So yeah. Before we move on, George. Just wanted to raise the question. Well, the possibility: Are we going to see the dark side of social media rear its head again 
hundred percent. I am. Very, I'm, I'm worried about that. Yeah, yeah, I am too. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm. Some glad is not the right words, but I'm. Now that you brought it up, I am worried that we are going to see some horrible things because after after the Silverstone crash, some of the things that were said on social media about Hamilton, those people have no place in this world. Yeah, 100%, mate. It's, it's just disgusting, isn't it? I saw, I saw some of them as well. And some of the things that we've had as well here on the podcast directed to our hosts and panellists over the years as well. I mean, there's some very... It's an overused word, but it's true. There's some very toxic people out there and they've all got they've all got a voice because of the internet. And yeah, even if they're idiots, even if you shouldn't listen to them, those words are very damaging sometimes. Um, and you definitely shouldn't say them. So, And unfortunately, those people tend to shout the loudest. They do. Yeah. They do. That's the thing. It's a minority. It's an absolute minority, but it's still it's, noticeable. That's the worst thing about it. You know, it's not like one person. It's it's hundreds out there. You know, it's it's nasty. It really is. So, yeah, I hope we don't see anything like that. But if we're being honest, we probably will do. So. So, yeah. Um, let's. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, let us know your guys' opinions. Join the live chat. Get your opinions out there. See you know, we're, we're more than willing to listen to you and we'll reply to your comments as well if they're, they're nice as well after the uh, after the show's done. Um, but yeah, let's let's move on to our third place man. Um, Valtteri Bottas, incredibly. Uh, despite despite starting at the back of the grid, despite taking his engine penalty, he absolutely romped through the field, Aaron. I mean, last year he had such a hard time trying to get through after a poor start, but he was making a lot of those overtakes look easy and he's ended up with a podium at the end of it. Yeah, he has, but I think at the end of the day, he's underachieved. I think he should have won the race. Well, yeah, probably. (laughs) Seriously, I think he should have won the race because the way it panned out, and okay, he wouldn't have gone into the race expecting to win the race, but he he did say in his post-race interview that he expected he was going to be on the podium. And okay, he's achieved that. But the way the race panned out, he should have won the race because he made mincemeat of everybody else. And I think as well, he took pole position so strongly because his car would have been set out to maximise its its strength down the straight. And obviously Monza being a, a straight line dominated circuit it got him on pole position and he steamed through the field. And then I think after the safety car, he was sixth behind the two Ferraris and he got past uh, those two pretty straightforwardly. And then he just got stuck behind Perez. And that's kind of what we see from Bottas. He just gets stuck. And then when he did make the pass, he overcooked it into the second chicane and then wasn't able to get back through. And he was on the mediums. So by that point, they would have been pretty cooked. But he could have done a bit more a bit earlier. I don't know what Tom and uh, Jawa think about that. Well, well, you you could argue that, but would you not argue then as well that Hamilton and Verstappen underachieved while they were in the race because they couldn't get past McLarens, which are in theory slower cars. Yeah, but I think they'd have been set up to run well. Maybe not so much Verstappen. He'd have been set up maybe to have come through the field a little bit and make up a couple of places, considering their their one lap pace. Certainly, Hamilton would have been set up to run from the front, um, and then going into quali- into yeah into qualifying on Friday, they would have known that. Did they did they change the engine on Friday? They must they they must have. I don't know. I'm not sure. I they, think so. Yeah, I think that, that would tally. 
so he, he would have been set up to be able to come through the field. That that's what I'm basing my my argument on. The fact that I think that the Mercedes crew would have set him up to come through the field with a fresher power unit. So yeah. I I shouldn't take anything away from him really because he, he drove really well and to come from last on the grid and finish third is a great achievement. Yes. I think I just got a bit frustrated that he got stoked <laughs> by Perez when he looked like he could be, he could be in for a win. And that's the sort of thing that make makes or breaks you as a driver in a top team. When Hamilton isn't there, Bottas has to win. There's no two ways around that, really. Well, you compare it to sorry, George, but no, you okay. compare it to um when Hamilton did that, it was at Imola. He he came back at the end and picked off all those cars and yeah. finished where he could. You know, he was able to do that. And I agree that Bottas had the quicker car. He had the quicker tyres as well at the end of the race. He was on fresher tyres than both the McLarens ahead. So, you know, I was a bit disappointed too to see him not get ahead of Perez and have a crack at the other two cars at the front. But, yeah, you know, still give him we can still give him some credit for coming from the pit lane and or not pit lane sorry starting on the back of the grid and finishing where he did yeah it's one of them isn't it we don't know all the ins and outs of it and a couple miles an hour straight line speed at monza you know i think i think part of it is that perez would probably would also have been set up to you know potentially go through the field and might not have expected him to go at the very top i mean yeah he didn't have a penalty but the plan would have always been to give Verstappen a, a toe uh, during qualifying. So it would have it would have sacrificed his grid position like it did. It's, it's a tough one. I know what you mean. It's certainly not his worst race. I mean, there's, there's been some like, uh, I think back earlier this year, like he should have really stormed through the field in that one, but he didn't. Yeah, he just went nowhere in that race. Exactly. So it's better for him, absolutely. But yeah, you're right. When, when Hamilton retires, which isn't very often at all, but Bottas should be there. And that's ultimately why he's got the boot. For next year and George yeah. Russell's in the car for next year but yeah again go in the, go in the live chat have your say did Bottas do well today did he do good enough or is he still disappointed in this season um, he's still in third in the championship despite Norris's wins that, sorry Norris's second place that's something um, I've, I've got to be honest I thought Bottas had one of his best weekends of the season this weekend um, I don't know if it's perhaps maybe, maybe there's a part of it that he knows he's going to a different team and he's got a multi-year deal because every year he's been at Mercedes, it's been a one-year deal. So there's always been a, an element of uncertainty. And as good as Mercedes are, playing second fiddle to Lewis Hamilton, and if he starts beating you, that's going to drag any man down because Hamilton is one of the greatest drivers we have ever seen. Um, so, and obviously new power unit and a good toe in, in qualifying helped. But in in the, in the sprint race, not qualifying, it is a race, let's be fair, yesterday. Um, even F1 don't call it sprint qualifying anymore. Um, but but yesterday in 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 the sprint, if if you'd have covered up the driver numbers of both Mercedes and you saw one out lead in the front and the other one had slipped from <laughs> second to fifth, you'd have put the names the other way around. But Bottas just he did really well yesterday. Today, he was carving through the field like nobody's business. Unfortunately, it disappears. His tyres uh, dropped off a bit. But I do think that because Red Bull knew they, that Mercedes... Sorry, that Mercedes knew Red Bull had a five-second penalty. They weren't that bothered about trying to force past them on track because they were going to 
get the, they were going to get the position sort of de facto anyway. So they, they probably said to him, they said, you know, just just back off, stay within a second or two, you know, just stay within the five second window of Perez, and you'll be fine. And 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 they were probably thinking more in terms of constructors' points at at, at that particular point of, of the race, because um, obviously third over fifth, you know, you know, gives you however many more points. And Mercedes are marginally ahead in the constructors as it is. But I, I was really impressed with Bottas this weekend. I wonder if, if it's like a proverbial weight has been lifted for him and if he's putting on a show for his, for his new Italian team. I, th- I think he's... I, yeah, I think you're right. I think a weight is lifted off his shoulders. I, I think I think he is uh, feeling a lot better for it because, yeah, it's, it was massive pressure that was on him before. Huge pressure. More pressure than he's ever had to deal with in his career, definitely. So, you know, people... You know, everybody being on his back, it's, it's not really on there anymore because it's like, oh, well, you know, you're stepping aside at the end of this year, whether you wanted to or not, it's deserved and you're going to get another chance at Alfa, Alfa Romeo. So people just aren't expecting him to do as well as before in a way. And he's, he's doing, ironically, he's doing better because of it. So it's good to see. I want to see Bottas do well. I don't wish any ill on the guy. I want him to do well, but he's just not for the most part for the last few years. But this was definitely, I think it was definitely one of his better drives. Not as good as it should have been, definitely. I mean, yeah, I think I've had the safety car, he should have won it. Hamilton would have won it in that situation. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But he didn't. He still gets a podium. Good points for Mercedes and the constructors. They pull a little further ahead of Red Bull at the top of that. Um, now, normally, if you'd said that Charles Leclerc finished fourth and Carlos Sainz had finished sixth, and you'd say fantastic weekend for Ferrari, but because of how good McLaren have done, they've leapfrogged them back into third place. But that being said, around a circuit where most of it expected them to struggle, they were on the pace for the most part. Yeah, I think fourth and sixth is a fantastic result for Ferrari. I didn't really think they'd even be in the top ten in qualifying, um, like the, the proper qualifying from Friday. So for them to have been Q3 and then stay top 10 in the sprint and then finish fourth and sixth, that's a really good, solid uh, home race. I mean, it's not ideal for them that McLaren have finished first and second, far from it. But fourth and sixth is probably uh, as best as they could have hoped for, for damage limitation, uh, conveniently helped by the fact that Hamilton and Verstappen took each other off. So not all lost for Ferrari and considering that Charles wasn't feeling very well yesterday and Carlos had a crash it you know could have gone very quickly the other way for Ferrari and they could have walked away from from Monza with no points yeah just and it once the safety car went in it became very clear that they struggle for top speed and that they are almost always a sitting duck for anything that's quicker than them so the McLaren would have come past the Red Bull and the Mercedes came past, uh, but everything behind, which was like an, with the Aston Martins and the Alpines, they're not quick enough, so they were pretty much safe from them. Yeah, there was a, there was a big leading group of the four main construct, four top constructors. Really, the other guys were just well off. Um, but yeah, it, definitely considering that, you would not guess that Charles Leclerc was <laughs> was ill or under the weather at all. The way he was driving, he was actually catching Norris and uh, Hamilton before the safety car, so he had an unbelievable pace this weekend and putting right, I think, a mistake that he made um, uh, last year. Obviously, he had that very nasty crash at Parabolica last year. So to get a fourth place in that Ferrari this weekend, I, I think it's a great result for them. But they, like I said, they do lose ground to McLaren and the constructors, which won't help them. But it could have gone a lot worse. Um, fifth place, and I think. 
a, a solid-ish result by Sergio Perez today, Jared. Obviously, he, he finished in third, but the, I think it was the overtake on Avila Leclerc or Sainz. Uh, he went off the road, um, didn't give the place back. Stewards gave him a penalty. He dropped down to fifth. I think all things considering, not a bad weekend for him, but he really should have given that place back. It was obvious that they were going to punish him for it. Yeah, it was quite surprising at the time when he didn't give it back straight away or at least before the end of the lap. And there was a bit of chatter that they were inquiring about it on the radio as well. So, I mean, we all thought it was a slam dunk, I'm sure. So he should have done it. And, you know, that's a bit disappointing that he cost himself um, a possible podium with that. But otherwise, yeah, considering how... He was pretty disappointed and not happy with, with the sprint and everything. He did um, get a solid result today and, yeah, you know, keeps Red Bull within touching distance of Mercedes and the Constructors' Championship with the top two guys not finishing. And, you know, that's what we like seeing Checo do is is do a bit of hustling. So, overall, pretty good. Yeah, not the worst weekend for him at all, but, yeah, maybe... Pr- Probably should well probably should have done better had he uh, give that place back. He would have only lost one place arguably and finished fourth. But there we go with some butts. Um, so want to bring in your guys' attention as well, the people listening to our new shop. We have a new store, f1chronicle.com slash store. And we have some uh, competitions for you guys as well. So everybody that's given us a five-star review on iTunes, we always give you a shout-out. That's not changed. But everybody that's done that has been entered into a competition draw where you can win a free shirt from our store, f1chronicle.com slash store for that, an F1 Grid Talks shirt that you can win. Uh, and fr- from today, any new five-stars reviews that uh, go on onto our iTunes or leave a comment on YouTube videos also got into a separate draw for the same prize, another shirt. So there's two shirts on offer for the guys that reviewed before and the guys that are going to review or leave a comment since. Uh, and also a third one, third and final competition. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, which we are so close to 200 subscribers on there, you can and you win a free mug for that. If you can, if you can give us a subscription on there, you'll get a free mug if you win the draw. So three competitions, hope that all makes sense. Uh, but yeah, just leave us a comment, subscribe, comment on YouTube videos. You've got three chances to win that way. So best of luck to everybody. That'll all be announced at the end of the month sometime. I think after uh, the Russian Grand Prix, it'll be, I think, I think Turkey's just in October. So yeah, good luck to everybody with that one. Um, so seventh place, as it stands at the moment, is Lance Stroll, Tom. Now, I think he had a fairly decent day today. I think that's a good result. Best of the rest, in a way, if you will, with seventh place. But he is under investigation for speeding, allegedly, under the safety car. If he gets a five-place penalty for that, sorry, five-second penalty for that, he will drop down to ninth. But if he gets a 10-second penalty, he's out of the points entirely. So it, it could be a good weekend for Aston Martin, or it could be another pointless one. Yeah, um, yes, again, Aston Martin continued to go up and down more than a yo-yo. Um, I, I did say a bit, I think towards the start of the race, where Stroll almost barged his way past his teammate and then uh, then a few other cars followed suit. But Vettel seemed to lose about four places between the two parabolicas. Um, but Stroll, in general, I've got to be honest, I didn't notice an awful lot of Stroll this weekend, but that's because there was so much going on in front of him. Um, that, yeah, you know, it, it's... 
if if the position sticks, um, I'd imagine he'll get called to the stewards or if he hasn't already been told. Um, I, I know it's reported. I don't know if he's actually been summoned to the stewards. If um, yeah, if if you can hold on onto that ninth, it'd be, be a couple of good points for Aston Martin. Um, yeah, de- decent drive for a stroll. You know, he, he's not doing anything wrong, but he's not he's not setting the world alight at, at the moment. Um, maybe you know the car's not as good as the you know, previous you know the previous entity of, of Racing Point last year. Um, you know, because obviously the Mercedes controversy with that, but but um, but yeah, he, he's he's doing he, he's doing the best he that he thinks he can with the machinery he's got. I'd say, you know, he's usually into sort of Q two, just sort of like touching points, which is which is obviously what he's done today. Um, yeah, I've got nothing else to add about him, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, he was one of those drivers who didn't see a lot of them. He, he, he stayed out of the wars for the most part. Obviously, yeah, there was that contact with, uh, I think he said, I think it was Bell, wasn't it? And we had contact with uh, towards the start of the race. Um, yeah, not a bad day, but if he gets done for speeding on the safety car, that's a, that's a really poor one to get a penalty for. That's that's something you should really be doing better with in, in all seriousness. You've got your delta on your steering wheel. If I can do it in the F1 game and not get a penalty most of the time, then the professional F1 drivers definitely should. Um <laughs> Um, but another guy again another guy that was kind of anonymous Fernando Alonso in 8th place and considering that Alpine were expected to struggle this weekend with a lack of power in their engine I think that's a fine result for them Aaron yeah it is but they've uh, especially in Alonso's case they've uh, benefited pretty hugely from three drivers who probably would have all been ahead of him uh, either not starting or failing to uh, finish the race in Hamilton, Verstappen and Gasly. Um, Gasly obviously had his own issue yesterday in the sprint, but he did qualify sixth and the, uh, the Alpines could only muster sort of, uh, 13th and 14th, I think it was. They were behind the Aston Martins. Mm. But from there, that's a good result. P8, some handy points. Uh, Aston Martin didn't pick up... Oh, Stroll finished ahead of Alonso, but he might be about to lose that. So they'll gain a seventh place, uh, which will be even better because then it just brings them slightly uh, further ahead of. Uh, are they? They're behind. Are they behind AlphaTauri or are they just ahead? They're of ahead. Alphatari? They're still ahead of AlphaTauri. Okay, so, I think. Yeah, I was yeah, thinking they were close to. Yeah, I was thinking they were close to Aston Martin. Um, there's so many A teams on the grid; it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so that, that that's handy. That brings them further clear of uh, Alpha Tauri then. Uh, and if the if Stroll picks up that penalty, that bumps Alonso up a place, that bumps Ocon up a place, Alpha Tauri getting zero, that helps their championship cause immensely. And in, in that midfield fight, it's quite tricky to keep consistency. And Alonso's doing that. He's showing that he's still got all the racecraft. He knows how to execute a race. Kind of anonymous, but you know, if if Alonso's only going to finish P eight, P seven, it might as well be anonymous. Not because we don't care, but because it just shows that he's there doing his job. And one once they get that car sorted, he might be in a position to challenge further up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you give you give Alonso a good car, and he's going to perform. He's, he's proved that. I mean, he proved that in, in the Hungaro Ring earlier this season as well. You know, he's definitely got some incredible pace in him, despite being forty years old now. 
But yeah, Alpine are just ahead of AlphaTauri, 11 points ahead. And I, I don't think they have as good a car as AlphaTauri, nor Aston Martin, but they're getting the results. They're picking up points and they're doing it consistently. If they keep doing that for the rest of the season, they'll get fifth. And that is massive. That is massive because that car is, is not that good, I don't think, I'll be honest, despite it literally winning the race this season. I think overall it does kind of struggle a bit. Um, I think the engine yeah. cover slows it down. Too draggy. Yeah, <laughs> it, does, it doesn't help. It's it's a, it's a chunky engine cover, isn't it? It's got to be a lot of drag on that, but it, it didn't seem to hurt them this weekend. No. Um, and another team that does uh, that normally does well. Well, sorry, completely lost that. Let's start again. <laughs> another guy that's making a habit of scoring points in not the best car, Jared, is George Russell. Ninth place, two points. Again completely anonymous we didn't really see him for the most part that's how crazy this race was George Russell scored points in a Williams which you know a couple of weeks ago would have been a momentous occasion but he's done it again second uh, uh, two points for ninth place great weekend for them bit of a streak isn't it now he's on with scoring points three out of four, four, four races yeah three yeah. Last four and the Still podium. That, that's that's yeah, and the podium. <laughs> um, that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. And you know, considering how we had all this other stuff going on in the race, we didn't take notice to to Russell doing it. And hey, um, if Stroll ends up losing seventh, that would bump Latifi up into tenth as well. So that would be another good day mm. for Williams. I think Alfa Romeo have just you know lost all hope of, you know, trying to beat them in the Constructors' Championship this year. It's just, you know, that dagger is slowly just, you know, getting closer and closer. And, um, yeah, it just shows that they did another good job. Um, we talked about how Latifi out-qualified Russell yesterday and then today um, got ahead in the race. And possibly, I'm not I'm not even sure I didn't follow Russell's race really closely. He might have benefited from the, the safety car as well and getting that free pit stop. Um, and then, yeah, splitting the two Alpine cars at the end of the day would have really done it. So good job for George again. You know, it's it, I guess it's like, you know, he doesn't have to do any more to impress anyone because we know he's going to Mercedes next year. But at the same time, you know, as as good as he can finish with, that Williams will be, will be better. So, yeah, I mean, I, a bit like Bottas as well, the guy who's replacing at Mercedes, the, the pressure in a way is off. He scored his points. And now he can, you know, he doesn't have to focus on it as much as what he did. And he and he's doing it fairly consistently. Yeah, I, I think he did probably benefit from, from the safety car. He was behind Latifi. Latifi, I think, did a standout job this weekend. If he deserves a point. I hope he gets one. Um, absolutely. But, yeah, absolutely, yeah. He was, he was great today. Um, someone who... In a, you in a way, kind of looked into a, into a single point, though, was Esteban Ocon, Tommy. He had that crash with Sebastian Vettel. I don't know what he was thinking with that one. That, there was quite a few, con, quite a lot of contact at Chicane's, but that, that was obviously his fault. But, you know, to his credit, he has ended up in 10th. He did get a point for Alpine, and he might become two after Lance Stroll's penalty. Uh, yeah, I was just sorry. I'm just looking on the FA website. There's nothing yet about Stroll getting a penalty, but they've got a few things to dig through. From yeah, from I first. think they're going to sort Hamilton for Stappen first before doing that. Aren't they? They're going to clunk some heads together. Don't <laughs> Um, who was I talking about? Sorry, it's about Ocon. Ocon, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that says a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, other, you know, other than barging his way through. Past his teammate stronger than I used to barge through a door when I was drunk. Um, you know, he was uh, 
Yeah, it, it, again, sort of like fairly anonymous. Um, I was a bit disappointed to see Ocon get 10th because I really wanted to see Latifi get 10th and Latifi was running 10th. And I did get my hopes up when I realised that Ocon had a five-second penalty, but I think he served it when he pitted for new tyres and he pitted as the safety car came out or the lap after the safety car came out, so it didn't really make much of a difference. Um, yeah, you know... Yeah, um, I wasn't expecting Alpine to be that good this weekend. I think I spoke about it on the on the pod last week. Um, I thought that they were going to be relatively nowhere, but you know, luck fell their way a bit. They they had okay qualifyings, um, but yeah, the, I mean, to, to, to come eighth and tenth for, for Alpine, you know, with luck on being tenth, that's a pretty decent result, I'd say. It's more decent than I was expecting it to be, definitely. I was not expecting them to do well this weekend, but to the credit they have, they've both got both the guys into the points despite being in the wars for uh, Esteban Ocon. Um, well, I mean, let's talk about Nicholas Latifi as well. As it stands, he's just missed out on points in 11 Farron. And like I said, I think he did a standout job. He was ahead of George Russell during the, during the sprint. He was ahead of him during the race today. I think he was slightly hurt by the safety car, but, you know, he was... He was looking like a steady pair of hands, just going about his job, and hopefully he'll get a point for it. Yeah, I think that would be uh, a really good reward for him. He's he's quietly impressing everyone, isn't he? He's not this pay driver who's keeping Williams afloat anymore. He's showing that now that Williams have obviously got the financial backing of uh, Doralton Capital, and that they've got a car that's pretty drivable. He can deliver some really good performances, and that's only going to take his stock higher. He impressed uh, in some races in F2, which is kind of why he also got the seat at Williams. So he's clearly there on some merit, and everyone drink, everyone brings some backing. You know, like Lewis Hamilton brings the big brand Tommy Hilfiger to Mercedes, and that will help them. And the Latifi brand will help Williams, maybe in a more impactful way. But what he's also helping Williams is his performances. He's driving solidly. He finishes races. So you can't ask for much more. If you're not going to finish in the points, you need to finish the race, give the team the data to then improve the car and understand the car. And he, he might get uh, a little bit of luck go his way and uh, Stroll will get bumped out of the points and Latifi will get promoted, which would be uh, a very well-earned point for him. And it would also give Williams another double points finish. Yeah, and it would uh, take points off of Aston Martin and bring that gap closer, just a little bit closer between those two teams, unbelievably. Uh, but, Could uh, you imagine how Lawrence Stroll will feel if Aston Martin in their first season get outscored by Williams, who finished last for like the last three years? Oh, my God. Quite. No. Netflix would be on that for Drive to Survive, wouldn't oh, they? God, I'd, yeah. I'd, love to, I'd love to see the behind the scenes. He'd release an... You're going, I'm not happy. Yeah. And could, could you imagine how smug Claire Williams would feel as well? <laughs> oh, my God. It'd be brilliant. <laughs> oh, that'd be something, wouldn't it? That would really be something. I don't expect it to happen, but they're getting closer. That's the thing. If, if Stroll does get disqualified, sorry, not disqualified, gets a, gets a penalty for his um, safety car infringement, you never know. <laughs> I'll be sweating for sure. If Stroll does lose the seventh place. What would the gap be? Yeah, so Aston would lose. 
Arsenal lose six points, so they'd six be down points. to 53. Williams would gain a point for Latifi and gain two for George Russell, so they'd be up to 25. It's, it's, a, it's a big old gap, but it's getting smaller, that's the thing. Well, if George Russell wins a race, <laughs> oh they God. go back to the Bahrain outer. I'm sure he can put that right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even are. go there because he'll get a puncture and he'll come down to <laughs> We'll have another wet race in Turkey like last year. And they'll only Russell do two win. laps behind the safety car. Um, <laughs> <track wise. laughs> but then track they'll only just, get half points. Sorry, just, just to jump in. Um, this isn't anything concrete, so take from this what you will. But uh, I've just been told that apparently Hamilton left the steward's office uh, and as we say, as we say, he was tamping human rage in, which means he was pretty damn annoyed. Um, and we all know how much Hamilton likes to give autographs for the rest of it. Apparently, kids are asking for autographs. He just went straight past him. He's gone back to the Mercedes hospitality. Take from that what you will. To me, that would suggest that it's being deemed a racing incident or Verstappen hasn't got a penalty. That's yeah. what I would deem that to be. I think you're probably right there. And no, he's, he's not going to want to hear that. So. Yeah. yeah. Again, I'm just speculating. Mm. One thing's for sure. He is pissed. He is angry. That's for sure. Um, but yeah. I know another guy who's going to be pretty raging after this race is Sebastian Vettel. Uh, Jared, he ended up finishing down in 12th after getting hit about three or four times or something like that. People just seemed to be attracted to his car and ended up suffering because of it. Out out of the points, it's a pretty forgettable weekend for him, really. Yeah, it's <laughs> forgettable. That's the only word I've got for it, really. And it's, you know, as much as we want to see Seb do well and everything, yeah, getting beat up by Ocon um, there <laughs> and then just, yeah, nothing, nothing really for him. Like he didn't have a great time in the sprint race either. I think he finished eleventh or whatever qualified. So he effectively went backwards during the Grand Prix. So you know, that's the thing. Like I, I just want to picture Lawrence Stroll at the end of the year and what does he think about how the whole year's gone? Yeah, they, they had a podium. You know, they had a podium taken away, but overall, it's been a, a hot mess for Aston Martin this year. You know, like. Big brand, a lot of new sponsors coming on board, big investment. You would have expected a bit more, um, you know, showboaty kind of results. But, yeah, it's just just look look forward to 2022. And I don't know, like, if, if you guys have heard speculation and stuff coming out about Vettel possibly not racing next year, it's, it all sounds rubbish to me. But, yeah, it's just like, why bring it up? I, I don't. I don't see that. I've not heard any of that personally, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. I can. He's, he's going to honor his contract. To me, if he was ever going to give up, he would have given up at Ferrari last year. You know, he's a guy who honors his deals at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, frustrating times for Aston Martin. Very frustrating times as well for Alfa Romeo. Tom, I mean, Giovinazzi again. He qualified in the top ten. He had an unbelievable qualifying. He kept yeah. it. He held it during the sprint race, and then it just all fell apart today. <laughs> I mean. But at least, I mean, Kubica today, to his credit, I think he was very solid again. I don't think he did any worse than what Kimi Raikkonen would have done had he been in this race. But Giovinazzi has to be so disappointed with this result. Yeah. Um, I, I think Giovinazzi knows he's not going to be around next season. And I think the only reason they haven't announced it is because they don't want to 
an Italian team at an Italian race does not want to announce that they're dropping an Italian driver because they might not make it out alive. Um, that's, <laughs> in, in my view, that's the only reason they haven't announced the signing yet. But I think over the course of the next week, we'll see an announcement as to who it is. Um, yeah, I don't know what happened to Giovinazzi in the race. Um, oh, no, he... Yeah, the collision. Yeah, that's right, yeah. With um, some... a Ferrari. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't remember which Ferrari it was. Yeah, and he just... Yeah, he, he just... Uh, he was just on the back foot then from, from there on in. He just, he just seemed... I think he locked up or got his braking wrong into the second chicane and just rejoined. And I thought, Sainz, what the hell are you doing? Then I saw the replay and I thought, oh, Gio... That's bad. Yeah. He just didn't give him any space. Yeah, it was one round because of it. Do you think that's just lack of experience of running at the front? I think it's desperation uh, a bit as well, to be honest with you. But yeah, that too. Well, uh, Claire uh, described him as a kamikaze in rejoining on the radio. He was. I mean, that's that's yeah. an accurate description. <laughs> yeah, but don't forget that Claire put it in the water Monaco. So you know, <laughs> snakes and ladders. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, um, Ferrari fans are going to be on you for that one, mate. I don't care. <laughs> Bring it on. Good thing he doesn't live in Italy. Yeah, oh, yeah, God. yeah. <laughs> God, imagine if I did. Um, yeah, no. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Gio knows that this is his last year. I do think, like Aaron, I think. Sorry, I think, like Aaron just said, I can see there being an element of um, perhaps sort of like. Oh, not immaturity, but sort of not, you know, he, he's only in his third season and a bit like Bottas, every season has been on a year-by-year deal. Aside from the two standout races or stand-in races he did for Sauber in 2017 when Pascal Verlein was injured. Um, but also, Giovinazzi, he's not like super, super, super young because people like Lance Stroll, Stroll is only 22 um, you know, Verstappen's obviously only twenty three. You know, Lando's twenty one. Giovinazzi is about twenty seven, if not twenty eight. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's born the year before I was. And I was born in nineteen ninety four. So, Giovinazzi yeah. was born the same year as me. So he's nearly twenty eight. Yeah, he's, 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 yeah. He's, he's out. He's at that kind of age where he should be at the peak of his powers, probably with his experience and still yeah. full kind of speed. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's sort of at the as I like to phrase it. He's sort of at the shit or bust phase. Of, of of his career, and unfortunately, it sounds like his F1, his F1 career is going to go bust. It's just a shame. It's, I I I like him. You know, you know, um, actually does some holier than thou things on track. Little Jesus reference, and um, <laughs> but he's uh, but yeah, but he's just he, he's not doing. Uh, he hasn't done enough. I don't think, especially especially with some of the talent that is not in F1 at the moment. Um, I think I think he will be gone. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, Ferrari and Sauber talent that's coming through. Porsche, Eilert, Schwartzman, they're all putting a lot of pressure on him for that seat. Um, yeah, but yeah, he, he he was just the architect of his own downfall there, really, wasn't he? I mean, he did fantastic in the qualifying, fantastic in the sprint, and just done did it all. Back back of the grid, recovered to thirteen. That's <laughs> not really saying much when there's only fifteen finishes. Finishes, yeah. So. Yeah, uh, decent day for Kubica though. Probably the last time we'll see him in a Formula One car anytime soon. I imagine that Raikkonen will be back for Sochi um, in two weeks' time. Uh, but yeah, the 15th and final finish it was Mick Schumacher. Um, Aaron, I mean, again, another guy that we didn't really see other than when Mazepin tried to take him out again. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, there, there was a yellow flag and I saw the, the gap opening up and Schumacher dropped down a place. I thought, oh, the what's Mazepin done? There's only one thing that's happened. Then they showed the replay and it was just one of those dumb moves that you just know Mazepin is just going to be famous for for the rest of his life doing dumb things and yeah <laughs> it was just one of those oh Mazepin's hit him shock <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I don't think this was a really representative race for for Mick the car probably isn't suited to the circuit probably overweight probably way too draggy it's not got enough power so it's as far away from a Monza specialised car as it could possibly be. Aaron, Aaron, sorry, let me ask you this then. What track is that has suited to? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> from, from what you just said, it should have been good as Anvor. And hmm. yeah. It, it just doesn't have enough Formula 2, isn't it? Let's be honest here. At this point. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, you make a good point, Tom. It, it's probably not suited for any racetrack. Um, but yes, it, to get to the finish in one piece, despite Mazepin's best efforts, um, there's not really a lot you can say because apart from the spin, we didn't see Mick at all. There was all sorts of other things happening. Yeah, we didn't we didn't see much of him at all. Yeah, the, the spin was the only time I really saw him finish at the back. As you expect for the Haas, uh, Mazepin didn't finish. What a shame. Um, but yeah, those are, all, those are all the finishes. Those are all the guys that went through there. Uh, two people we haven't mentioned, though, are the AlphaTauri drivers. And despite winning 12 months ago, like I said, uh, the start, very start of the show, it was just an Italian Grand Prix to forget for them. Sonora didn't even get started. Gasly, he had his, he had his crash in the sprint qualifying. Um, he ended up repairing the car for the race. He had to start from the pit lane, but he came in after a few laps. So... It's it's a real contrast. A year is a very long time in Formula One, isn't it, Jared? It's it's a real shame for them because I think they could have done really well this weekend. Yeah, definitely. And with where Gasly qualified and originally in like on, on Friday, it was looking good. And then yeah, the crash um yesterday in the sprint, and then at least they're gonna save that power unit because they did put in a completely new power unit for the race today. They save it for, for next time, but for, for both cars not to score points, it was pretty devastating. And Sonoda, I think it was like a brakes problem that they had and they couldn't fix it in time to get him out in the pit lane. Um, Gasly would have easily had, you know, top six finish if um, all things have gone well from, from Friday. It would have been interesting to see if he did start the race um, from the pit lane where he would have uh, finished up, like if they didn't decide to retire the car, how far he would have gotten. Um, the safety car would have definitely helped as well. But, yeah, just points gone begging for those guys today. And, you know, they'll be hoping, like we said, that Aston Martin lose the points that Stroll would have got um, if they do indeed to give him a penalty. Yeah, it's it's still a big old gap between Aston Martin and uh, and Alpha Tauri. Uh, Aston Martin on fifty nine, Alpha Tauri on eighty four. So at the moment, it's a twenty five point gap. But yeah, uh, 
no, a d- dismal weekend for them, really. And shockingly, they were the only team going into this that scored a point in every race, at least, uh, which I was really surprised to hear, I'll be honest with you, especially with how inconsistent Sonoda's been. But I guess uh, Gasly's more than made up for it. Um, but yeah, um, though... Oh, sorry, go on. So, sorry, George. On Pierre, I, I uh, recorded my own episode uh, last Monday, and then I listened to uh, your guys' post-race uh, that afternoon. And I'd mentioned about Pierre talking to Mercedes. And then I listened to uh, the post-race for you guys. And Tom mentioned about Pierre sounding out Mercedes as well. And this could be another reason why he he should move on. If he's doing like all the donkey work in that team and he's not getting any support from the second driver, they're their own sort of fully-fledged sister team and he's not getting any help. Should he go looking elsewhere? I think he probably has, hasn't he? But he's not been able to get a seat. That's why he's re-signed with Alvatari for another year. Yeah, it's the best option Gasly had, other than rumours around a seat at Alpine. But that's been firmly shut down by our consigning a contract extension. Yeah, the sooner Gasly gets out of the Red Bull program, the better. Yeah, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again: Hamilton is, you know, he he signed the contract this year for two years, didn't he? So now he turned twenty-three. Mm. Yeah, so after 23, you know, he'll be knocking on the door of 40 by that point, Hamilton. Not saying he'll get any slower, obviously, because he only seems to get better as the years go on. But he'll surely have won everything he'll have wanted to by then. Um, mm. You know, see, uh, the top team is putting out there. I mean, look at science. He's flourished since he left the Red Bull programme. Oh, don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just, and Ricardo, he's, he's won a race outside of Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He did for um, a bit. <laughs> yeah. He did for a bit, but no, not not the moment. He has had some great results this year. Some of them he's allowed to keep, and some of them, sadly, he's not been allowed to keep. But there we go. Oh, man. So, yeah, I'd like to see Gasly go elsewhere, but um, it's just a matter of trying to get your foot in the door somewhere else because all the seats are taken. For a number of years, um, you never know. After, after if Harrelson does retire after 2023, after his current deal ends, why not Gasly? Why wouldn't they go for him? He's proven he can do absolute miracles in that Alpha Tauri. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe Mercedes will have another young young gun who comes up in the meantime. Who, uh, I, don't, I just... don't think they do. They've got they've got Frederick Vesti, and then everyone else is like proper junior formula. So unless mm. Vesti uh, really pulls something out over the next couple of years. And even then... He's in F3, isn't he? He's F3. So at best, if he moves to F2 next year and then does a year in F1 in 23, I can't see Mercedes putting him in that team alongside Russell after just one season. So the the door is open if Hamilton leaves. But then would they go for Verstappen or would they go for... I mean, Alonso would probably still want to drive at that point. At the right old age. Of the Mercedes. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. We 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 can fantasize about this all we want. But yeah, for, for now that yeah, it's it's gonna be Russell and uh, Hamilton next year in that Mercedes. But yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with uh, with Gasly. I hope he gets a chance at a better team, but I don't see it for a couple of years, probably, I'll be honest. 
Anyway, those are all the drives we've gone through. So uh, I'll start with you, Aaron. We, you mentioned very briefly that you have, you have your own podcast, the Five Red Lights podcast. So what, what is that and where can people find it? Uh, so it's on YouTube. Uh, I do uh, race previews, which you've joined me on, uh, one for the cursed Belgian Grand Prix. <laughs> the race that wasn't, yeah. <laughs> the race that never happened. Uh, and then I do a, a race review where I rate everyone's performance. I do a driver of the month vote because I have a real problem with the driver of the day. Although actually driver of the day today was accurate. So <laughs> make of that what you will. Uh, and then I do a few other bits in between. I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram. So you can follow me on uh, Twitter, five underscore red underscore lights. And on Instagram, it's uh, five red lights. And then uh, you can find me on YouTube as well. Just search five, the number five uh, red lights. Yeah, definitely check out Aaron's show. Like I said, I went on it a couple of weeks ago, and oh, I, I don't know. I don't know if you'll want me back on because maybe maybe my presence did curse that that race to never happen. Who knows? Um, but yeah, definitely check out his show. He's got a lot of good stuff on YouTube. Uh, Jared, you too have your own uh, podcast as well, and I do believe it's on YouTube. But where else can we find it? Yeah, on iTunes, Spotify, and Google, you can find uh, Hit the Apex podcast. So, and got my own Twitter as well at Hit the Apex Media. Um, I w- would have plugged my Instagram as well, but usually I like going to racetracks and taking photographs, which I haven't been able to do much of in the last couple of years. So it's, it's kind of lacking in the uh, motorsport photography at the moment, but do check it out if you wish. I am at Dr. 46th TH at the end. So yeah. Something's telling me you're a bit of a Rossi fan with that. uh, (laughs) 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 Dr. Who and uh, Valentino Rossi come together. (laughs) I'd love to see that episode. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, definitely check out Jared's show. Uh, Tom, of course, you are a member of the EF1 team and you guys also have your own podcast. Yes, we do indeed. So, uh, you can find us on, God, where are we? Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, the handles for those are at JoinEF1. Uh, we have our Everything F1 podcast, which you can find on Spotify, iTunes, um, or, or, or your normal podcast listening locations. Uh, we also have a website, everythingef1.com, where we have links to all our podcasts on there. And we have a YouTube channel, which we have recently started to grow, where we do things like track profiles, driver profiles, all that kind of thing. Um, and we have our group on Facebook, which is our main sort of element, if you like, where we have coming close to 7,000 members, and that is the Everything F1 paddock. We talk about F1, F2, F3, MotoGP, W Series, like anything racing is welcome. Yeah, definitely check those guys out. And as well on the podcast, they have some incredible guests on. Lawrence Barreto, um, Jamie Chadwick, uh, mm-hmm. Mark Priestley, a bunch of other ones that I can't think off the top of my head now as well. So yeah, definitely I, check out those guys' yeah. show. I am possibly, well, I am organising a time with... Uh, James Hunt's son to come on as well. Ooh, that that'll be interesting. That'll be fascinating. I'm sure you have some very good Freddy. stories to tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely check out those guys. Check out everybody's podcast. And also, if you want to check out our podcast, if you want to check out our other episodes we've done. We've got over a hundred episodes now. Um, that that includes the regular previews, qualifying, sprint qualifying, and race reviews, but also uh, more documentary style ones like we did for Ayrton Senna, Tire Gate. 
uh, the 94 Benetton Conspiracy, and a pair of interviews with Mario Asolo, the head of Pirelli Motorsport. We had another interview with him during the uh, Dutch Grand Prix weekend last week, so definitely check out those if you want to get some something a bit different to our regular shows. Also, go to our shop as well, uh, F1, F1 chronicle.com forward slash store and enter the competitions like i said if you subscribe if you comment on our youtube if you uh if you leave us a five-star reviews on itunes you can be entered three times for different competitions to win shirts or a mug so yes definitely check out those out uh and as well we are closing on 200 subscribers on youtube so be sure to subscribe to our youtube channel Efron Grid Talk and ring the bell icon so you're notified for when we're going live because we put it out there before we put it out on anything else. But if you do want to catch the show after it goes live, it, we're also available on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, Pocket Cast, and of course the F1 Chronicle website, fronchronicle.com. And yeah, we will be back next weekend to preview the Russian Grand Prix after the massive high of Italy. It can only get better around Sochi in two weeks. Thank you for joining us, lads. I really do appreciate it. No problem. Then in time. And yeah, we'll see you for the next one in a week's time. Goodbye.